0: we
1: Of the Mixwitches yeah. podcast, you might see a difference in the audio because I'm trying something new uh, to minimize the screaming of my other computer. So I'm trying this on a different computer, and my microphone doesn't connect yet, and I haven't figured out how to fix it yet. So the audio might sound different, but oh, hopefully well, it's a good different. Right. <laughs>
2: Well, I just realized, like, the date, and it's so close to Nano, and I'm like, this is not the time to not have an idea, Mama.
1: Oh my god. (laughs) This is not the time to be changing my idea 60 different times.
2: Same. (laughs) Girl, we might be fucked.
1: (laughs) I'm just gonna start writing, just like I do every year. Fucking plantster all the way.
2: That's what I was thinking, too. It's like, the ideas might come. Would you just start going?
1: Like, the more I thought about that GodCon idea, the more I just felt like it would be way too much work for just a nano.
2: Yeah. I I hear you.
1: Like, if I didn't do the work beforehand, all the research and stuff, which I haven't, and I'm not going to force myself to at this point, it is the 17th over here, then it's going to turn out garbage, and I'm not trying to do that to myself or anybody else. (laughs) It's
2: like, I feel like this is the only way we're ever going to beat down our perfectionist tendencies. We no. need to adopt the fuck it and find out methods of life.
1: No, this, Including
2: this. Being like, girl, just write shit. Write something. I'm feeling that energy.
1: Seriously. Big fucking and find out energy. <laughs>
2: Well, it's a little bit of, I feel like, you know, you may struggle at first, but maybe, like, after a bit, you'd be like, oh, actually, I have an idea. I see something brewing here.
1: I should have been writing down everything we've been talking about for the past hour. Mm. <laughs> but whatevs.
2: But whatever.
1: I am I might still do it. You might hear scritch, scratching and, and paper turning. And that's me. I
2: don't have any paper. Uh, I don't have no paper. I'm not going to get up right now (laughs) the paper is far away but maybe doing these topics will help jog our brains fair so i go first
1: you do i'm talking about necromancy
2: (laughs) i don't have much i basically just have what it is in throughout history, I don't have any ways for you to do mecrone- uh, yeah, necromancy, necronancy. <laughs> wow, because what you, you know what, I thought of it as like what you do in your own house is your business. Fair
0: enough, <laughs>
2: you can't say I told you to because I didn't. <laughs> also, I'm lazy, <laughs> so necromancy sometimes referred to as a form of black magic, is a term used to describe communication and dealings with the dead performed by powerful wizards or sorcerers. Unlike most modern mediums, whose goal is simply to communicate with the dead, necromancers generally have a practical goal in mind. Their interactions may be intended to foretell the future, uncover secrets, recover someone from the dead, or even use a deceased body like a soldier or weapon says, necromancy has been practiced from the earliest civilizations and is still practiced today. Apparently, necromancy has been used for thousands of years in civilizations around the world. Early writings about necromancy date back to ancient Greece and Rome. So that's how old we're talking. Ancient, ancient. And that's what we've recovered. You know.
1: That's just the early
2: writings we know about.
1: Right. No saying, like, what's been lost... Something in Atlantis is waiting to be found.
2: Oh, no. I'm sure some of y'all have dug through the Akashic Records looking for necromancy spells. Shame on you. (laughs) Shame.
1: Shame on your family. Shame on your cow. (laughs) If any of you start the
2: zombie apocalypse, shame.
1: Listen, we all went through... The era of zombies in the early 2000s. We don't need to go through an actual era of zombies. Thank you.
2: (laughs) So it says, Rituals for calling forth the dead involve the inscription of symbols and words, as well as rituals, spells, and sacrifice. The word necromancy was adapted from the Latin word necromantia. The Latin, in turn, derives from the Greek word necromante, necromante or necromantea, a combination of the ancient Greek necros, meaning dead body, and mante or mantea, whichever, which means divination by means of. In other words, the literal meaning of necromancy is divination by means of a dead body. Fair enough. (laughs) Like, right? So while this definition can be literally correct, Necromancers are said to be able to use the dead to foretell the future. Necromancy is far more than just fortune-telling. A practitioner's interactions with the dead can be much more complex and can have a physical impact on the world of the living. For example, necromancers may also raise the dead to learn secrets, gain forgiveness, or learn the name of a murderer. Assumingly, if that person was murdered. Not in general, Don't you wouldn't dig up someone who wasn't murdered. Necromancy is sometimes referred to as death magic and is usually, thought of, is usually thought of as dangerous or black magic or sorcery. This is the case even though many medieval necromancers were clergy. Despite its reputation, the practice may also be used for positive outcomes, like looking for a murderer. I think that's a pretty good reason to talk to a dead person.
1: Right. Imagine if they did that when Jack the Ripper was running around.
2: That's what I just thought. Our one brain cell fired off at the same time. (laughs) Imagine if they just asked those dead hookers who it was.
1: Oh god, that would would be like a Victorian's wet dream. (laughs) Why didn't they do that?
2: (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they did, but it's been discredited. Probably. Or discounted. Or thrown away. So, I have some origins here. It says, necromancy... Bleh, necromancy? Yeah. Let me slow the fuck down. <laughs> so, necromancy has existed throughout history. It was practiced in ancient civilizations in Egypt, Babylonia, Rome, Greece, Persia, and Chaldea. It may have been associated with shamanism, though it was also related to ancestor worship. Mm. More on that later.
1: Yeah, more on I that also, later.
2: It's also a <laughs> different topic. I was
1: going to say, my topic later also has to do with that a little bit. So this
2: so is why I think it's good. I, I was like, I'm, I should put this one first. I was trying to be big brain about it. It says, recorded stories of necromancy in ancient times come from Homer's Odyssey, Ovid's Metamorphosis, and the Bible. In the Odyssey, it says, oh, everything is Cersei's fault. I was reading a bit like forward and I'm like, oh here we go.
1: Here we go now.
2: (laughs) Here we go. Here's the girl. (laughs) So it says, while necromancy was certainly practiced long before Homer's time, which was around eight hundred BCE, he was the first to write a literary account of it. Like I said, that's probably why, you know, we have record in ancient Greece. Everything else is just lost to time.
1: Lost on the walls. (laughs)
2: <laughs> or it's not even lost. We just can't read it yet. Not too. So, in Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey, Odysseus, lovely Odysseus, is sent to the underworld by a sorcerer named, sorceress named Circe. You all know how the Odyssey works. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably a nerd.
3: Oh, I'll have yes. to tell you how the Odyssey
2: works. His goal is to use spells Cersei has provided to raise the spirit of the dead prophet Tiresias. My brain said, hmm? What's that name? (laughs) Tiresias. So he wants to raise this man and talk to him. In addition to spells, Odysseus must go through a series of necromantic rites to be performed at night around a fire pit. Odysseus is required to pour out milk, honey, wine, and water to attract the dead. He then prepares a drink from the blood of sacrificial animals and recites prayers. The drink allows the dead to recognize and communicate with the living. With help, Odysseus is able to communicate with Tiresias and then with his mother. Odysseus's mother, I assume. Not Tiresias' mother. I didn't write this. <laughs> Odysseus talking to his own mom, I assume. Later, he converses with a number of famous deceased writers and philosophers, which is also probably what I would try to do. It's like, if you could, who would you talk to? Isn't that a question some people ask, like, dead or alive, like, if you could have dinner with anybody, who would it be? Be like, don't say that to a necromancer, because they mean it. Or they have done it. So, apparently, necromancy is also described in numerous parts of the Bible, mainly in the Old Testament. I have some examples. The book of Deuteronomy, 1810, 11, in which Israelites are warned, there shall not be found among you anyone who maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or who uses a divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. They said, Old Testament said, no zombies, thanks. That's...
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then also, voodoo's the over of- here like all the zombies.
2: <laughs> Literally. The Book of Leviticus, twenty twenty seven, also warns against necromancy. A man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. What else are you gonna stone them with? <laughs> I assume. <laughs> what? I don't know why that just got me. Like they shall be stoned with stones. Like, sure.
1: I'm glad we thought it. What a- I'm glad we both thought it, but you said it.
2: <laughs> it's not that was particular that you had to emphasize that you stoned with stones. Mm-hmm. In 1 Samuel, the story is told of how King Saul had the witch of Endor call the spirit of the prophet Samuel from the dead. Saul hoped to receive military advice from Samuel. Instead, Samuel told Saul that both he and his son would perish in battle. This prophecy came to pass the very next day.
1: Oh,
2: at least he told the truth.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, it, it, it was, he wasn't taking the piss. He said, nah, y'all ain't gonna make it. And he was right. <laughs> so it says in the Middle Ages, after the fall of Rome, necromancy was strictly forbidden by the church. This, of course, did not stop its practice. It doesn't stop any practice. People just do whatever they want in your house. Surprisingly, many medieval necromancers were members of the clergy who believed they were invoking the help of God to conjure demons, angels, and spirits. Well, some of them probably were doing that. (laughs) As someone who believes in, maybe skeptical, but believes, it always gets me a little bit when it says, like, they believe they were doing. Every time I see that in a sentence, I'm like, because that's what they were doing. Like, don't you say it like that. Why'd you say it like that? (laughs) They believe that's what they were doing, so that's what they were doing. (laughs) Just because y'all don't have faith. Stop it. (laughs) It says, necromancers were also alchemists or natural philosophers whose interests included not only chemistry and medicine, but also the quest for eternal life. I I assume you might ask a a dead person those kind of questions. That's not shocking to me. (laughs) The techniques used to raise or communicate with the dead were related to those used for exorcism, the removal of demons. They also included a wide range of occult practices and the use of hallucinogens. Because they weren't illegal like they are now. Ancient necromancers generally raised the dead in order to learn secrets or to gain insight into the future. Occasionally, the dead were raised so that the living could gain their forgiveness or direction... Or in some cases just to communicate. Medieval necromancers had similar goals, but in addition they summoned the dead to manipulate the living and occasionally made use of the bodies of the dead. I, listen, whether or not I agree, I think that makes a lot of sense as well because we have plagues and things. Your idea of a dead people and what, and what you should or should do with them is going to change when there's a lot of death happening. <laughs> people are dying a lot. It says here That perhaps the best known medieval necromancer was Johann Faust, a German alchemist who dabbled in the occult, and in particular in necromancy. Born during the early 1500s, the historical Faust was described as a magician, astrologer, and trickster. His supposed interactions with the dead made him the subject of plays and even operas. Christopher Marlowe, for example, made him the anti-hero of one of his plays, The Tragedy of Dr. Faustus. He was so well known about it, he got famous, and he was born in the early 1500s. That's how you know he was doing something. I don't know what, but he was doing something. It's like, you're allowed to do whatever you want in your house, but when your house, like, has a dark cloud over it with, like, lightning bolts all the time, you know, then we all know what you're doing.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's like, you ain't slick.
2: Like, I feel like something happened in that house. So, fascination with necromancy has by no means disappeared since the Middle Ages, Fictional accounts of interactions with the dead continue to be extraordinarily popular. While books and movies, such as Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Mummy, do not necessarily use the term necromancy, they all relate to using or interacting with the risen dead. Frankenstein, okay. Like, even of all the three, I'm like, Frankenstein is literally necromancy. He literally took dead people's body parts and then made, and then resurrected them. Like, we should not be, we should be shocked that Frankenstein wasn't, like, multiple souls in one body. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, God.
2: <laughs> Mediums, people who claim to communicate with the dead, often called upon to ask the dead for secrets or to foretell the future. Still, I'm sure somebody listening to this is a medium. In addition, popular games and television shows include the reanimation of the dead, many, uh, many focus on zombies, which have a different history, Bro, I didn't even want to, like, bite into the zombie sandwich history of zombies. That's another day. Even books and movies for young people, including the Harry Potter series, have themes related to necromancy. We literally have Frankenweenie. Tim (laughs) Burton literally said Frankenstein, but for kids.
1: And it's such a cute movie, too.
2: (laughs) So, I have a section here about how necromancers communicate with and command the dead. This isn't specific, this is just general. And it says, over the millennia, the processes for reaching the dead have changed dramatically. Uh, verb, sorry. In some cases, the process is very simple. Mediums, for example, may call upon their spirit guides or go into a trance without complex rituals or spells. Historically, however, the processes for communicating with the dead through necromancy are quite extensive and dramatic. In some cases, necromancers have lived very austere lives, eating only certain foods, avoiding even the sight of women, remaining celibate, whatever the fuck. Often, a virginal boy or man was called upon to complete the ceremony. It reminds me of how the description of, you know, the whole Athena being a virgin goddess was just because it makes you better at war. You have a lot of pent-up energy when you aren't expelling that energy. We need the virgins.
1: Well, it also reminds me of the bear hunt thing that I mentioned when talking about uh, Artemis.
2: Yeah. Virgins are better at pent-up energy. They use that energy in the magic, and then the magic happens. (laughs) I just had a thought, and I'm not going to say it. Okay. (laughs) Well, I was just like, maybe some of us need to practice some celibacy. Maybe we'll be better at magic. (laughs) (laughs) All ceremonies performed today are quite varied. Some of the following elements are common. Necromantic rituals usually begin with the necromancer drawing signs and inscriptions on the group with a, yeah, that's what it says, on the group with a knife or a sword or on a cloth in ink or blood. The circle is not only a symbol of power but also means to contain the spirit of the dead, thus protecting the necromancer. Casting a circle. Yes, you remember that episode. You listen to all of our episodes. I know you do. words are added to the circle including inscriptions pointing to north south east and west the names of the necromancer the medium and the spirits being called signs usually include ancient figures such as a pantogram astrological figures and astronomical figures objects such as jugs swords or candles are placed at specific locations to be used during the ritual. Once the scene is set, the necromancer goes through a ritual that varies a great deal. Some elements may include a prayer or pre pre, a prayer or plea to the spirits, angels, or demons being invoked, instructions for how the dead should appear and what they should do, spells which in some cases are based on biblical passages, sacrifices, animal blood, milk, honey, ashes, flour, or salt placed in jugs or sprinkled around. And rituals ranging from knocking two stones together or burning candles or anything else will have to do with whatever one you're using and you find. Uh, One scene that comes to mind, if you're like, what the fuck is all this? It reminds me of American Horror Story when uh, Cordelia had to bring Myrtle back. I very distinctly remember. She had to cut her hand open and shit. She almost died doing that. I remember. So if you would like to know, if you would like a visual uh, interpretation, I don't remember what episode that is, but uh, it, it, one of those episodes, it's in there. Well, I mean, the apocalypse was happening, so, you know, Yeah. You got, what you got to do. So I have one of our methods here, a well-known method here for communicating with spirits. It's performing a seance. Seance is French for sitting. In fact, they still use, the French still use seance in the regular ass way. You know, <laughs> as a word. Over here, it, you know what it means.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Over here, it's a cult. Over there, it's just a word. You know, it's how it be.
1: I was going to say, so the so, Victorians were trying to be fancy. And the French yes. were like, dude.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This is why. Because we, we France just and called England it a like...
2: sitting. Somebody had to be like. A seance.
1: No, a what French person call? walked into a room and called what he saw a seance. And they were like, oh, a seance. And he's like, it means sitting. And they're like, oh, a seance.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm sure that is exactly how that went down. <laughs> <laughs> so seance is a meeting centered on a medium who seeks to communicate with the spirits of the dead. Because strong light is said to hinder communication, a seance is usually taken place in darkness or subdued light. I know y'all know visually what a seance looks like. I'm telling you what it is, but I know y'all have seen one. It generally involves six or eight persons who normally form a circle and hold hands. Maybe there's a Ouija board, maybe not. Maybe another type of spirit board, maybe there's no board.
1: Maybe there's a spirit box. You never know.
2: Right. You know, maybe the medium is
1: the board. Automatic writing.
2: Oh, so (laughs) yes, all of it. Now I was like, now I'm getting excited. (laughs) I want to do the things. So believers assert that communication has been established when a disembodied voice is heard or a voice speaks through the medium or a ghostly apparition appears. You remember when I talked about ghosts. Y'all remember. All that information, that's a, all that information. That's when you know a ghost happens. you already be prepared because you'll know about ghosts. So if your friends on Halloween... Wanna do a seance and pull out the Ouija board, you will be better prepared than the rest of them. <laughs> it says sometimes the music from an um, let's get rid of the Sometimes Music from an unknown source seems to fill the room, objects appear to move for unnatural reasons, or a hand, a limb, or an entire body may take shape from ectoplasm.
1: Reminds me of The Haunting in Connecticut.
2: Yeah. Other alleged means of communication include automatic writing, trance speaking, or using a Ouija board or a spirit board of another type. You can make your own. Just use a piece of paper. And a shot glass. Be, a, be a, a frugal, resourceful witch.
1: I was going to be. <laughs> Sometime...
2: <laughs> All you have is a piece of paper and a, glass, and a shot glass.
1: I was going to say, be a thrifty witch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Many of these seemingly mysterious phenomena manifested during seances are affected by the medium to validate his or her claim to supernatural powers. I did not do... I had some uh, uh, some frauds listed. Thought that would be a different episode. Because as I believed in the process, but some of y'all are liars. <laughs> and we... And we know you're liars. Uh, right now, I can remember the Fox sisters. I remember they I think that's what they're called. There were three of them. They were outed. Shenanigans.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Like they were doing stuff and moving the tables, and it, nah, nah, there were no ghosts here. Just a trio of fools.
1: I mean, as much as I believe in everything, like I also know that humans are typical liars. So, like.
2: Yeah, humans are liars. I don't trust humans. If you are so inclined, you can Google a Ouija board and find lots of different ones, cheap ones, really beautiful, ornate ones.:
1: Right. A Resin lot come 1. out of russia uh, r- a lot come out of Russia for some reason on Etsy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that surprising? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> like no. They have a lot of beautiful yeah. ones coming out of Russia, though. I didn't pick one of those up because my PayPal wasn't working, but they have a lot of, like, really beautiful thick wood ones, so.
2: You can get the generic Hasbro one. I know they're selling them at Spirit Halloween. It's $34. I want to get one really bad. (laughs) You could make one on a piece of paper, or you could also, like, use a pendulum. I set a shot glass. You could also use a pendulum board. Which is a little bit different than a regular ass Ouija board. You could also just use your pendulum on your Ouija board. I would prefer you probably do, I would prefer, I would say it's probably preferred if you're going to do that, you might want to be by yourself. I mean, the planchette is usually used by multiple people, the pendulum you hold on your own. That might be more individual.
1: You know, I forget. Like I you're forget trying to I talk to your grandma or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, like, I forget those things exist sometimes, and I have a blood, bloodstone one, so it's like, it would be perfect.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyway. Mine is a, me.
2: I have a rainbow moonstone one it's on the altar. She's neglected. I don't use her. Another thing to add to the list. <laughs> learn how to use Pendulum more. <laughs> so. I didn't say at the beginning, but my sources were learnreligions.com and Britannica.com. But that's necromancy. If you want to actually do necromancy, that's you, that you have Google. You can Google that.
1: But also like, that's probably something you would want to pick up some books for, to be honest. Or
2: that as well.
1: (laughs) Like that as well. One of my topics for this month, When I was doing the research, I was like, god damn, there's literally nothing except WandaVision on here. It was so hard to research the topic. But they kept bringing up books, and it's like, I can't, I'm not going to (laughs) buy this book just for this research topic. (laughs) So there's books out there.
2: (laughs) Or, yeah, or buy books. You have options. Somebody out there has a book of, you know, get a Necronomicon. No. But that's necromancy. That's what it is. Interesting. What do you bring for us
1: today? I am going to be reading some horror stories from around the world. Yay. Turn
2: off your lights. Light some candles. Let <laughs> some
1: it's about candles. To get spooky. Yeah. So I'm not like. I didn't want to paraphrase anything because there's just a lot. There's a lot of stories and some of them are already paraphrased. So I didn't want to paraphrase them more. So I'm going to be reading them directly from the websites and I have some sites we're going to go through. I think from what it looks like, I have five. So what the cannoli, Susan? Oh my God. (sighs) So every every place that you will ever go has urban legends. Every country, every city, every university, they all have their own urban legends. They I all have their own ghosts. Say every
0: universe.
1: Every universe. Well, I mean that too, but I'm sure. <laughs> so I'm going to start. With the universities, because I have a couple of those. I found a site with that, and I think it actually mentions the universities. So we'll go from there and then continue on into bigger and better areas and end with the scary shit, hopefully. Yay. Okay. All right. So this first one I'm talking about uh, is from topuniversities.com. And each one of these, it's like five bullets, and they're just short little paragraphs. Ew. Right? Okay, so the Halloween Massacre is one of the most famous college right. myths of all time. <laughs> it is not certain how and when it w- it actually started, but it has. Ooh. But it has made its way into most American universities for de- decades now. It was created; it has created panic and fear among thousands of students and possibly even a few pers- professors as well. The legend goes that a popular psychic has made a prediction that a Halloween night, that on a Halloween night, a masked man, in some var- variations, he is dressed as Little Bo Peep. Why? I'm not going to ask will enter the campus of a university that starts with the letter M or W and is located near a pond, lake, or river, railroad track, or cemetery. He will then kill everybody there. The story has existed for many years now, but no massacre has ever happened. However, students from all around the country still fear it, especially at colleges such as University of Michigan, University, Michigan State University, the University of Minnesota, and the University of Wisconsin. Next is the dead roommate.
2: You know what, wait, hold on. You know what's <laughs> unfortunate, though? What? No, I'm going to get a little bit realistically morbid for a second. I understand why the fear hasn't gone away, because we have so many school shootings that happen that you actually can't even say it's not going to happen. That's fair. Like, maybe back 100 years ago, you'd be like, oh, that's not going to happen. You can't say that shit now.
1: No. And that's the unfortunateness of living in the United States.
2: Living in America right now. It's trash.
1: All right. So next... I'm glad I'm
2: not at university.
1: (laughs) Same. (laughs) Though I'm disappointed I'm doing college. (laughs) Fair. So the next one is The Dead Roommate. Another grim college legend, which is repeated across many dorm rooms is the one about the dead roommate. No one knows where it started or whether it has any basis in true events, but rumor has it that if a student's roommate in college dies by accident, illness, or suicide, she or he will get only straight A's until the end of the year. This, of course, is completely fabric is complete fabrication. Those students might receive some consideration for the stressful circumstances, but they will most definitely not automatically get only excellent grades. So don't get, don't start getting any murderous ideas. Oh. Oh. It said accident, illness, or suicide. Murder, I think, is not counted in this. Like, you can't, you can't fake the ghosts.
2: No, that's called, you're going to get haunted.
1: (laughs) One of the U.S. colleges where this belief is particularly popular is the University of Illinois at Urbana Campaign. Which comes into question, how many students have died in their dorm rooms? Next, you have statues come to life. So many universities around the world have some sort of statues or monuments in front of their main building. It might be a statue of the creator, benefactor, alumnus, or an abstract symbol. A popular myth is that at night those statues come to life and move around the campus. The legend varies from institution to institution, but the pattern is the same. Some colleges might even have monuments of animals or different types of fantastic creatures. The University of Cincinnati, for example, has stone lions in front of its uh, McMicken, what? McMicken. (laughs) M-C-M-I-C-K-E-N. It's McMicken. Hall. Which some students believe they have heard growl at night. Some variations of the legend say that the statues only move when a virgin or a cheater walks past them. Oh. A cheater? A cheater. Damn. Others go even further and describe paintings and other objects coming to life as well. Students from Michigan State University, for instance, claim that the portrait of Mary Mayo moves its eyes and follows you through the room. Also, Michigan, what is going on? Michigan.
2: Maybe don't go to school in Michigan, maybe.
1: (laughs) Every time I see Michigan, I just hear Cecil from Welcome Tonight, they Vale, calling it Michigan, Michigan State University. <laughs> all right, secret tunnels below the campus. Lots of universities in the world are believed to have secret tunnels below their campuses. Through the years, students have made up various stories concerning hidden, path- hidden pathways leading to dungeons, ritual rooms, and so on. That sounds like somebody's kink, to be honest. Like, let's be real. <laughs> uh, yeah. This legend is again particularly popular in the US students from Michi- Michigan State University. Motherfuckers. What is wrong with
2: the <laughs> crazy people in Michigan?
1: They're just haunting Michigan fuck, State
2: University. What is wrong with y'all? <laughs>
1: Uh, they believe that there are creepy dungeons below the university. This is particularly true because there are tunnels running under the campus, but they are actually steam tunnels that were built to house campus u- campus utilities. No dungeons whatsoever have been found. Another version of the same belief exists at the University of Illinois and u- Urbana Cham- Champaign- campaign <laughs> where some students there believe there is a secret room below the foreign language building why is it always the foreign language building i feel it's always like that building or the science building i feel and that it holds a supercomputer which is owned by the government what (laughs) that went from creepy to what like creepy (laughs) to conspiracy theory really fast
2: that's like when we said area 51 is just a big weed farm What is wrong with
1: (laughs) y'all? They also claim that there are secret tunnels below the buildings on the quad whose origin and purpose is unknown. Okay. Y'all. I don't want to go to these (laughs) schools. Last (laughs) is just haunted universities. So arguably the most popular college urban legends are about haunted universities. Almost every university in the world, which is more than 100 years old, has its own ghost. While some students proudly brag about that and make make up all kinds of scary stories of ghostly encounters, there are some who are genuinely afraid. Even though different colleges from different legends concerning ghosts, the main parts are very similar. There are, there can only be so many types of ghosts, right? Right? (laughs) As a question mark and an explanation. As a question mark and an exclamation mark. (laughs) So I had to change it from right to right. (laughs) (laughs) Ones to watch out for include the headless ghosts, probably initially inspired by Washington Irving's Sleeping Hollow, Sleepy Hollow, not sleeping, Sleepy Hollow, legends about headless or bodiless ghosts are some of the most popular word, words, ones, in stories of haunted universities. The most prestigious universities in the UK, Cambridge and Oxford, both have similar hauntings, which include famous bricks. Oh, I'm sure they have ghosts. Oh, I'm I 1,000% sure. Those schools are so fucking old, those are, the
2: schools are ghosts.
1: <laughs> the schools are sentient at this point. uh students in cambridge believe they have seen the floating head of none other than oliver cromwell himself he was beheaded and while his body was buried his head rests at cambridge's sydney sussex college why (laughs) it is said that cromwell haunts the campus grounds supposedly searching for the rest of his body Oxford. Why do you have his head? That's that's my question. Give it back. Give him his head. Like put his head with his body. That's all he wants. <laughs> Oxford, on the other hand, is said to be haunted by the headless spirit of King Charles I. Students have reported seeing him around the grounds of Christ Church College. Wow. All right. Why Go- am I just
2: get a story idea? Yes. I hate it here. <laughs>
1: Ghosts of former professors. Another famous urban 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 legends spread from many colleges around the world is about ghosts of former university professors. Such as such legends exist at Heidelberg University in Germany. Oh, that's why. I was like, what is that word? Uh, for example, during the Nazi era, many communists and Jewish professors at the university were sent to the concentration camps. Lots of them have apparently returned to their old workplace to haunt its grounds for eternity. While students haven't actually seen them, they, uh, they have reported that the chalkboards in, some, in these professors' old lecture halls self-erase or have mysterious words written on them. A similar urban legend exists in the American University of Cincinnati. According to students and staff here, the ghost of a former classics professor who died in the 1960s haunts the Belligan Rare Book Room. Students claim that they constantly feel like someone is watching them and keep hearing strange noises at night. Why are you in the Rare Book Room at night? That sounds like a terrible place to be. <laughs> Of course, the suicide ghosts. So this one's ghosts of students who committed suicide. Possibly the most widespread versions of the ghost legends are those concerning students who have committed suicide on campus grounds. I guess there is something eerie about suicidal students indeed, but most stories aren't based on actual evidence. Supposedly, in the beginning of the 20th century, a young girl took her own life by drowning in a swimming pool. Okay, at the University of... Illinois. (laughs) See, I said, you don't want to go there. She killed herself. The girl had just found out she was pregnant and in her panic committed suicide. Students believe that her spirit still roams the English building of the university. Another similar... Was was it a university professor? Like the English professor? Damn. Another similar myth exists at the Emmanuel College uh, in Cambridge. A student who hanged himself many years ago apparently walks the corridors of the building. No, 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 no.
2: <laughs> is he still hanging?
1: Uh, no. Uh... <laughs> last is... I'm like, are you
2: looking at a walking ghost, or is he, like, new student? How
1: about, how about we don't find out? <laughs> okay. Uh, last in this is ghosts of Builders. The most popular pattern among stories about haunted universities is the one about builders who died during the construction of the college in question. Since they gave their life for the university, they are said to never leave it. That's awful. <laughs> Students at the Lamont, uh, hold on, Lamont, Monosov, Moscow State University in Russia have reported hearing sounds of constru- construction and blood curdling cries at on the top floors of the university. What kind of construction were they doing? (laughs) Wired, no. Another legend of a ghost of a former builder is extremely popular at the University of Toronto, Canada. Rumor has it that in 1889, a student actually saw the ghost of a stone, stones, stonemason, God, who told him that he was murdered in a fight inside the campus. In an attempt to save himself, the stonemason struck a wooden door, which still exists in the university today. What? He hit, like, he slammed himself into the door? What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) True or not, urban legends have have and always will be part of college life and experience. Oh, for sure. Let's talk about Alexandria University for a second students all over the world share them with the new generation of freshers freshers we don't call them frosh anymore was you know, that I
2: think that per- well that person doesn't
1: I was like is that your word from a f- freshman from back in the day like how old are you
2: <laughs> like when did we start calling them that
1: like they're not frogs they're not fresh they're not frosh like what What are they <laughs> And thus they live on. Stories of haunted universities and horrific events have survived the test of time and continue to make our blood freeze and skin tingle. So why not do it? Not do a bit of research into your own universities. You get it. Anyway. So that's the universities portion. Yes. Now. (laughs) Now. (laughs) (laughs) Now we go on to states. And this is coming from Insider.com, and it's called The Creepiest ur- Urban Legend for Every State. I don't know. I don't want to do every state. I'll, I'll tell you some of these, because I read some of these already. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you Alaska first. So, Alaska, the uh, Kushtaka of the Alaskan Triangle. Never heard that before, have you? Anyway... <laughs> Um, No, everyone knows the story of the Bermuda Triangle, but you might not know about the Alaskan Triangle On average five out of every 1,000 people go missing in Alaska according to the LA Times So even if there's nothing supernatural going on, it's easy to get lost in the Alaskan wilderness the Tlingit Tribe. Hold on. There's something in my throat. There's a frog in my throat
2: There's a frog
1: well they better get out <laughs> the tlingit tribe who live in juno have their own explanation for the high number of missing people evil spirits called the the kushtaka the kushtaka are shapeshifters half man half otter S- very specific half otter No.
2: <laughs> of all of the animal people things we have i can't do the otter
1: the otters are so cute. Why would you do that? Like, what?
2: Why are they evil?
1: No. Um, who lure women and children to the water with fake cries in order to steal their human spirits and drown them. Come on now, otters. Let's not. Let's not do that. The next one is for Arizona. And I stopped. I didn't read this one, but it's called The Ghosts of Slaughterhouse Canyon. Also, why would Freeze. you name a why would you name a canyon Slaughterhouse? Why would you name it? No, th- you're asking for trouble. The story of Slaughterhouse Canyon, not uh, blah, blah, blah. the story of Slaughterhouse Canyon, also called the less frightening Luana's Canyon. What what happened in Luana's Canyon? <laughs> takes place well, I'd rather that
2: than Slaughterhouse Canyon.
1: Right? Takes place during the gold rush. During the 1800s, there was a family who lived down in the canyon. They were very poor, so the father would venture out into the canyon for food for his family. As you might have guessed, one day the father did not return, so his family slowly starved and descended into madness. The mother, unable to bear listening to her children's cries anymore, put on her wedding dress—what? Why? Put on her wedding dress, murdered her children, and then threw them into the nearby river. The next day, she succumbed to starvation herself. The legend states that if you go down to Slaughterhouse Canyon at night, even now, you will hear the loud, anguished cries of the mother who lost her mind. So she became a, a banshee.
2: I'm like, I'm like, I've read the Encyclopedia of Spirit so often that now I'm speaking like Miss Judica. It's like, or maybe it's actually a goddess
1: <laughs> now
0: we're making
1: up this story, like. <laughs> That's like, it's like a weird, like a different version of La Llorona. And it's uh, it's weird. Pick yeah. a state, any state. Wait, I just came across California. <laughs> I was about to say, um, us. So uh, the Charman, uh, the Charman's origin oh. story, listen, is gruesome. A father and son were both caught <laughs> in a house fire and horribly burnt in 1948. After the fire, the son became so mentally unstable that he killed his father. When the police found the son, he was so unrecognizably burnt, they didn't realize he was alive. So he ran away before they were able to arrest him for the murder of his father. The story goes, goes that ever since then, the Charman can be spotted wandering the woods surrounding Ojai, Occasionally approaching tents of innocent campers, or pretending to be a hitchhiker, and then attempting to attack them. So, no. so the other podcast that I listened to during one of their their scary episodes, they mentioned the Charman, and I remember this the cousin being like, "No, no, 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 no."
2: It's gonna be a no for me, dog. <laughs>
1: That's going to be a no for me. Um, I can't remember if it was the Charman Man or the Gurning Man. Uh, neither are good. Oh, no, it's definitely not the Gurning Man. I remember the Gurning Man. Um, but the Charman Man supposedly will also run at you screaming. <laughs> like you scream at him and he just screams back. And there was something about his father's skin. There was a lot going on there. <laughs> I didn't want to revisit it. <laughs> You know what? Let's go down to Michigan. (laughs) Okay. The ghost of Mr. Chew. What the fuck? Delaware. So Delaware. Let's stop here. Delaware. The ghost of Mr. Chew. While not particularly mean spirited, while not a particularly mean spirited ghost, Samuel Chew's story is still disconcerting. Chu was the chief justice of the Delaware Supreme Court in 1741. As the story goes, while he was alive, he didn't always get the respect he deserved. People frequently made fun of his name by mimicking sneezes while he walked by. Wow, so original. Honestly. After his death, people reported seeing his ghost sitting under a poplar tree Wandering the courthouse and generally creeping out the residents of Dover. Hey, my parents lived in Dover for a time. That's where my brother was born. Great. Chu would also pull on men's coattails and give women a cold, icy feeling. Florida. Okay. So I just have to, keep, I just have to do the ones that look interesting. So Florida. The gravity-defying spook hill. what the phenomenon that happens at spook hill is real cars that are parked in neutral will appear to roll uphill legends say the hill is either the site of a native american burial ground or an epic battle of a native american chief against a crocodile what okay What? (laughs) but the truth is it's actually just an illusion created by the hill's surrounding surroundings while cars appear to be rolling uphill they are still just rolling downhill well that's disappointing yeah but it looks like so there's uh, a picture of the sign and I'll, i'll read the sign it says ages ago in an indian town on lake wales on lake wales lake was plagued with raids by a huge gator. The town's great warrior chief and the gator were killed in a final battle that created the huge swampy depression nearby. The chief was buried on its north side. Later pioneer haulers coming from the old army trail atop the ridge above found their houses laboring here, their horses laboring here at the foot of the ridge and it called it <laughs> and called it Spook Hill. Wow. So these pioneers thought because their horses had had to work harder, they called it Spook Hill. What a bunch of babies. Mm. Is it the gator seeking revenge or the chief protecting his land? Stop your car okay, on the white
2: well, wi- I don't think it's the gator.
1: <laughs> Stop your car on the white line, place it in neutral and let it roll back. No? But okay. Glad you, glad you have a whole line dedicated for this.
2: <laughs> like, no, maybe?
1: Hawaii night marchers. Interesting. Night marchers, according to Hawaiian lore, are not evil spirits, but they do demand respect. They are spirits of ancient Hawaiian warriors who march around the islands to protect sacred areas. Legends say that if you look directly at a night marcher, you will be f- marked for death. And if by some chance you find yourself in the middle of the pr- in the middle of a procession, you are supposed to lie down in the middle of the road. Uh okay. Idaho? No. I mean What about Texas? Texas. The Idaho one looks creepy, too. Ew, no. Clowns? Why? No, not clowns. Iowa has the black angel. Anyway, you said Texas. The devil's chair in Kansas. I've heard of that one before, too. The goat man of Pope Pope Lick in Kentucky. How about we don't? How about we don't? The grunch? Oh, no. Louisiana. <laughs> The Chesapeake Bay Monster. Oh no. Okay, wait. <laughs> the little girl on Knock Knock Road. I have heard of this one from Michigan too. It's all from the same. You, it's all from the same podcast. You know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> yup. All right. Hold on. Texas. 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 Ew. What is that? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, the story of Sacrifice Cliff, fucking Montana, what? (laughs) Okay, you guys can tell. Oh, Nevada, the truth about Area 51. Uh Uh-huh. Where's Texas? God damn it. Cropsey, New York, what? No, no, no. Okay. The werewolf of defiance. Ohio, what are you smoking? Pot, clearly, but. (laughs) The shaman's portal in Oklahoma. Oh. Oh. The bandage man of Cannon Beach, Oregon. Uh, Pennsylvania has a bus to nowhere. Cool. Great. All right. I'm almost to Texas. It it clearly goes in alphabetical order, but I just keep getting sidetracked. Texas, the candy lady. No. (laughs) In the early 1900s, children in an unnamed rural town in Texas started to go missing, and the residents blamed it on the candy lady. The story says that she would go around leaving candy on children's windows and eventually she'd lure the kids out with notes attached promising more candy. The story picked up steam when a farmer allegedly found rotten teeth on his farm and later found the body of a boy with his pockets stuffed with candy. While little is known about the origin of the story, some have speculated that the candy lady was real and that her name was Clara Crane, talk about alliteration. Clara Crane. Ma'am we need to talk.
2: Not the kid with pockets of candy. Not, no.
1: How about, no. The the what man? The bunny man? Oh god that sounds horrifying. (laughs) What the? Oh these sound awful. They sound so awful why hold on i got so sidetracked all of a sudden again okay so the bunny man of virginia so the bunny man legend starts with what every good urban legend starts with an insane asylum of course (laughs) the people of clifton were so up in arms about the asylum that they were able to get all of the patients transferred The patients were being moved on a bus that crashed, and the police were able to catch all the patients except one, the bunny man. According to the tale, the bunny man lived in the woods and sustained himself on woodland creatures, like bunnies, but eventually he attacked humans. Some people reported being attacked by a man with a hatchet. Other tales say that groups of teens would see a bright light and then would wind up dead and strung up over a bridge. What the fuck? Why? (laughs) what that took a left turn seriously oh my god west virginia mothman no not mothman (laughs) yes mothman in 1966 stories say that west virginia was visited by an insectoid flying creature with bright red eyes who resembled both a moth and a man he was spotted flying around the town of Point Pleasant along with Shining Lights and the Men in Black. Oh, that's that's why he... Okay. Man, Mothman's origins <laughs> have been claimed as supernatural, alien, or government experiment, experiment gone wrong. But Point Pleasant what? has embraced... <laughs> but Point Pleasant has embraced the monster, erected a statue, creating a museum... And even dedicating a festival to him, in 2002, a film starring Richard Gere called The Mothman Prophecies was released.
2: Oh my god. Y'all really just profited off of this Mothman. Off of
1: Mothman. I mean, Y'all really
2: said, I'm feeling froggy, I'm gonna leave.
1: To be fair, New Mexico did the same with aliens, so-
2: I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying.
1: Okay, what's next? There's uh the Devil's Tower in Wyoming. Which it just it just looks like a, a petrified tree rock. You know, you've seen have you seen the uh the theory that some mountains are actually petrified trees? No. Okay, well, it's cool. I do I do enjoy it because conspiracy theories but (laughs) but that's what this looks like so there's no scientific consensus on why devil's rock looks the way it does but one native american creation story attributes the landmark's shape to a tragedy according to the story a large group of uh cheyenne girls were, were attacked and killed by a bear two escaped and found help from two boys who convinced the girls to act as bait (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> they climbed to the top of the tower and the bear tried to follow. The boys shot arrows at the bear and it finally gave up, leaving scratches all the way down the rock as it slid down. Okay, well, I'll tell you about, I'll tell you about this conspiracy theory really quick. So, um, like, some mountains have this very geometric shape to the rock pattern on the outside. Like they look like little towers going up the sides and just, you know, anyway. So the theory is because these geometric shapes are very, very similar to like the cells that make up uh, a tree's cells, that the rocks are actually, or the mountains are actually petrified trees from way, way, way back when. That's, that's it. That's, that's the conspiracy theories. <laughs> you want to hear about Bigfoot really quick?
2: <laughs> oh my god, Bigfoot.
1: Bigfoot in Washington. Gotta go with the OG. Talk about
2: conspiracy theories. We can talk about how we feel about Bigfoot.
1: Bigfoot. <clears throat> so Bigfoot is an internationally recognizable name and has been spotted all over the country. But Bigfoot has been spotted the most in Washington State. Yeah, they tell you not to go to the forest. <laughs> Bigfoot, no, okay, there's, I I remember we talked about this, but Bigfoot has a chapter in Shasta, and they say that's why people go fucking missing in Shasta. That's <laughs> crazy, that's too close to home.
2: My mom was, no, my mom was just telling me about somebody who saw, has a, it, it, he, expl- he told me what he saw, In. nah, nah. he said he used to work. He said he used to work like up around there. He saw some shit. And I'm like,
1: no. How about no? (laughs) Okay. So Bigfoot is essentially a gigantic ape-like creature who is either a ferocious beast who attacks loggers and hikers or a gentle giant who wants to be left alone. Me too, dude. I'm not a gentle giant, but me too. I want to be left alone.
2: (laughs) You are not giant.
1: Not at all. Either or way, <laughs> either way, there's something creepy about an undiscovered species of animal wandering around the Pacific Northwest, evading capture. Listen, this man ain't no animal. <laughs> you don't think you can call it an animal anymore?
0: <laughs> Bigfoot
2: is an alien. Prove me wrong.
1: No, seriously. He he come like.
2: Bigfoot I, to Hop's dimension. Prove me wrong.
1: Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong that Bigfoot is interdimensional. Like,
2: it's a portal jumper.
1: Okay. (laughs) What's next? What's next? Um, Utah has the curse of the Escalante Petrified Forest. Great. It says, while it is illegal to take anything from the Escalante Petrified Forest State Park, there is a legend that says that anyone who takes pieces of petrified wood from the park will be cursed with bad luck, sickness, and accidents. Park manager Kendall Farm, uh, Farnsworth stated in 2014 that he gets about a dozen packages every year containing a piece of wood from the park and a, and an apologetic letter detailing the sender's misfortunes.
2: There's a story like that in Hawaii, too. Oh, God. Yeah. It's uh, one of like Pele's volcanoes.
1: Fair enough. (laughs) Let's see. Let's see. Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about organs really quick. The Bandage Man of Cannon Beach is very short. The Bandage Man Ah. is the American version of a mummy. He is rumored to be the ghost of a logger who died in a sa- uh, sawmill accident and now terrorizes teenagers who hang out at a deserted area of a, of a highway near Cannon Beach. Stories say that he knocks on cars- car windows to try and get in and smells really, really bad. <laughs> Very specific. I mean, he might smell really, really bad. You right. You're right. Okay, so Oklahoma, the Mysterious Shaman's Portal. The mysterious occurrences in Beaver Dunes Park have been attributed to the fact that it was built upon accident, uh, accident, ancient Native American burial grounds, which is why it's called the Shaman's Portal. It's also known as the Oklahoma Bermuda Triangle. Another Bermuda Triangle. Like, the U.S. Are we okay? (laughs) No. No. The answer to that is no. Mysterious things have happened in the park, starting with the Spanish conquistadors who went missing while searching for gold in the 1500s. Since then, paranormal activity seekers flocked to the dunes. Some people claim that a UFO crashed there, and a group group in the 90s who tested the soil said it was abnormal. Sure. This sounds like I don't believe shit. I mean... (laughs) I have to go there to you know see it to believe it, yeah what okay, so new york this one i I said something about this, so new york there 's one called Cropsy. The story of Cropsy has many inter iterations, but it but it generally tells the story of a man who stalked a sleep away camp psychiatric facility children 's hospital had a hook for a hand, and killed children who were wandering alone at night. Every single person who went to camp in upstate New York has heard about Cropsey. Things took a more sinister turn when a documentary doc, documentary posited that Cropsey was actually real. A convicted child kidnapper named Andre Rand. Uh-uh. When the urban legends become real, that's when you gotta just... Uh, out. That's
2: so why you got to back up. I got to back out.
1: Let's, let's continue. Are there any specific other, uh, what's it called? Ones you want to <laughs> hear about, like, states. Is there,
2: what's one for
1: Arkansas?
2: Arkansas.
0: Sorry.
1: Arkansas. I got to go all the way back up. Well. Okay, no, that's Alabama. Our, <laughs> Arkansas, the, the Boggy Creek Monster. Ew. No. The Boggy oh, Creek Monster of, folks, of Folk is Arkansas's version of Sasquatch. He's commonly accepted to be around seven or eight feet tall and covered in hair. Legend says that he roams the creeks of rural Arkansas. He was first spotted spotted in 1834 when people reported seeing a wild man. People still claim to spot the Boggy the Boggy Creek monster today, and he has been the subject of five feature-length f- films including 1972's The Legend of Boggy Creek. Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, I'm okay. So I've heard something similar for not Idaho, but I've heard something similar for Nevada for something like this, but this one's for Idaho and it's the Water Babies of Massacre Rocks. Water babies, hold on. (laughs) Water babies are a Native American legend that are found in a couple different places in America, but most famously in the Pocateo, sure. We'll we'll call it that, (laughs) Pocateo. <laughs> at, the, at the Masquer. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. <laughs> at the Masquer Rocks State Park. The Shoshone tribe was first recorded in 1805 and were were roaming the Great Plains as early as the 1500s, so it's not clear when exactly the legend originated. But the story goes that the Shoshone experienced an extreme famine, and mothers were forced to drown their babies in the river rather than watch their children starve. Why is it always the moms killing the babes? Can we stop? Well, today, no, I
2: guess it's my job. I gave birth to you.
1: Today, some people claim that if you <laughs> sit quietly by the river... Uh, at the river by Masker Rocks, you'll hear the sounds of babies crying. Other stories say that these babies grew gills and fins and survived, and now they seek revenge on their mothers by luring unsuspecting victims to their deaths in the river. That's an interesting twist. That one, no, that one's worse. <laughs> that one's worse. That's an interesting t- twist to La Llorona. Instead of the moms, it's now the babies. The babies. The babies. Now
2: the babies will come get you.
1: So, oh god, I came across the clown again. No, fuck the clown. But in Nevada, they have a similar. So Nevada's, you know, a basin. We all know this. It used to be an ancient um um what's it called? Glacier went right through there. Uh, so you have a bunch of little lakes all through there. And I remember I was driving with Robbie and Amanda. And he was telling me the legend of water babies for that specific lake. And um, so the, in that one, the babies will cry to lure people into the the lake edge to try and help the babies. And then the moms will drown the people. So babies and mom be working together this one. No. No. No,
2: dude that's going to be a no for B dog.
1: All right. So, I'm going to close it out, well, close out the states. I'm going to close out the states on Illinois, Homie the Clown. No. Fuck. Throughout the suburbs of Chicago in the night in the 90s, there was a rumor going around elementary schools. There was a creepy man dressed as Homie the Clown, yes, from in living color, driving around in a white van trying to lure kids Into it with candy and money. So you mean he was just a kidnapper? Uh, So you you mean this person was real and the kids had a reason to be scared? Yeah, this one sounds possible. In some variations, he was a kidnapper. In others, he was a rapist. I mean, a lot of times they go hand in hand. But in all variations, Homie left a mark on young Chicago kids in the 90s.
2: Well,
1: great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we move on to not here. <laughs> so we move on to the great wide world. All right. Which one do I start with? I'll just go like this. So, Indonesia. <laughs> So this one is called the Pontianak. Indonesian float. oh, sorry. This one's coming from secretretreats.com and the article name is Six Famous Ghost Stories from Around Asia. Ooh, okay. So Indonesian folklore features a wide variety of tales about uh, animist ghosts and spirits and the so-called Pontianak or Kuntianak is perhaps the most notorious of all. In Southeast Asian cultures, swamps are considered eerie places. Me too, bitch. I consider those eerie <laughs> places as well. Like, where are they not considered that? Uh, where nature's spirits dwell and spook the living. Legend has it that the area in western uh, Kalimantan, Kalimantan, at the crossing point of kapuas and landak rivers was haunted by pontianacs the pontianac is a vengeful spirit that takes the form of a beautiful woman and preys on men children and vulnerable souls believed to be the spirit of a woman who died in childbirth why is it why is it always in childbirth or a violent death because, the,
2: because you remember because they are the most dangerous vengeful
1: ghosts <laughs> they are one of the most powerful and feared spirits in indonesia and malaysian yeah. folklore Yep. As, blood's, as bloodthirsty vampires, they eviscerate their victims with their long nails and dine on the internal organs. Great. Despite That's the dire warnings great. shared with him by local Dayak people, Serif, I'm not going to try to say that, that middle name, Al, uh, Al-Kadri, Al-Kadri, yeah, Serif Alkadri. Decided to set up a trading post at this crossing point in the swamp. The Pontiacs soon made their presence felt on this man and his build- builders, and the story goes that they fired cannon into the they fired a cannon into the swamps to destroy the area considered to be the Pontiac's nest. Wow, it sounds well, like a bad, 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 bad juju.
2: Yeah, it doesn't sound like it worked. <laughs>
1: A mosque and trading post were established, and the developing city was named Pontiac. Pontianak. My bad. (laughs) The, The trading post became very successful, and this man was made a sultan, the first sultan of Pontianak. A star of many horror movies, both in Indonesia and Malaysia culture, these vengeful spirits are still alive and well in the nightmares of people. It is said that the scent of drying laundry will attract a Pontianak. Hence, many Malaysians will not leave laundry out overnight. Fair enough. Powerful spirits that can perform black interesting, magic. interesting um,
2: attraction thing. Like, right? hmm, why do they like laundry?
1: Powerful spirits that can perform black magic. Their presence is often heralded by a fragrance similar to the plumeria flower or the scent of rotting flesh uh those sound like two very different scents (laughs) but it is also said that she can be tamed to become the most perfect and beautiful wife okay i'd love to see you try
2: I, i don't think you should marry her
1: i think not what? No. Simply drive a nail into the hole at the nape of her neck to enjoy a blissful marriage to a beautiful woman. Well, is a is a love life ever simple? <laughs> <laughs> Might be wise, however, to have her sign a prenuptial to ensure you hang on to your internal organs in the event of a breakup. Wow.
2: I think I have heard that they go back to normal if you pull a thing out of their... Neck
1: hole. I would hope. Just imagine. I mean, I... She's sitting there, she's all docile, and then somebody's like, what's in the back of your neck? And pulls it out, and she's like, I am free. Ew. <laughs> and he's just, like, at work, and he's like, oh, I'm in trouble.
0: He just feels a disturbance in the force.
1: <laughs> so, the next is the, uh, ooh. Peace cha? <laughs> Pish- Pishacha, which is India. So a vampire-like creature, the Pisachas in Hindu theology, are believed to feed on the flesh of both the living and the dead. And horrifically, they are particularly fond of dining on pregnant women. Are we surprised? No.
2: Listen, we know, listen, everyone <laughs> wants the step-else of the baby. We do. Spirits do. We just have to accept it. Pregnant See? women are not safe. Seriously, maybe you're especially. Uh, you know what I just thought. Maybe you're especially powerful when you're pregnant. You are making a whole other life.
1: That's fair. Like you're not only especially powerful, but you're also like particularly defenseless. That as well. Maybe not. Maybe not all the way defenseless, but you are less protected than before. <laughs> I mean, you got well, to be getting that energy from somewhere. Up all the energy. Yeah. We are of the same mind. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So described as having a human-like form with protruding red eyes and bulging veins all over their bodies, they are particularly unpleasant looking demons. Pishachas haunt cremation and burial grounds, abandoned homes, and places where violent deaths have occurred. In more modern times, they are said to haunt places such as discos and nightclubs where they feed on negative energies in what are seen as vice-ridden venues and where they look to possess vulnerable individuals. An ancient spirit that was born around... Oh, wow. An ancient spirit that has been around since creation, the Pishachas have their own language known as... I'm not going to try that. They are believed to possess the paranormal ability to become invisible and to shape shift and assume any forms at will. These ancient and tricky spirits can possess minds, driving their possessed humans to negative thoughts and behaviors and feeding on the conflict and misery that arises as a result. Great. The possession. Yeah, so a standard demon. The possession can drive the possessed to insanity. Special mantras are needed to exercise these harmful spirits to keep the Pishachas satiated and at bay. They are given their share of offerings during certain religious functions and festivals. Amazing. All right, so I don't want to go through all these, but next is Vietnam, which is the daughter of bi Hua. Then we have Myanmar, ooh, the Yellow Ribbon Lady. Mm. We have Thailand, which is Preta or Pret the Hungry Ghost. Japan, Kappa, I will talk about these ones. Okay. <laughs> Quirky River de- Demons. For the lighthearted side of this Halloween addition we would like to present you the quirky river demons as found in japan folklore a culture rich in supernatural tales of ghosts and fantastic creatures no list would be complete without the kappa i have pictures of what of like i went to a yokai museum and there were skeletons of kappas which was interesting great spirits of the natural world and ghosts are deeply embedded in japanese religion history and culture and for this last offering for our halloween edition is this the last one probably there is even a sushi roll named after it the kappa monkey or cucumber roll kappas love cucumbers what strange little things they are They are said to be roughly humanoid in form and about the size of children. They have a shell like a turtle, green scaly skin, and a plate on top of their heads that must always be brimming with water to stay alive. These uniquely Japanese supernatural beings live in Japan's lakes, streams, and rivers. In Shintoism, kappas are respected as gods of water and statues of them can sometimes be seen as shrines around Japan. Kappa quirks include having a huge appetite for cucumbers, hence the Kappa Maki, and for never being able to break a promise. On the more gruesome legends about them, see, this is where I was about to go. It is also said that they love to pull lost children and animals into the water and drown and eat them, perhaps with a side dish of freshly crunchy cucumbers.
2: (laughs) No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: All I can see is the one from Hitalia, that one episode.
1: <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hear any of these other ones from East Asia? I'm good. Cool. <laughs> Alright. Onwards. I'm also not going to read all of these because... Well, I mean, they're short. But there's not a lot of them. These ones are... um from central and south america so galapagos islands the headless gringa according to locals on baltra island the former american air force base is haunted by la gringa sin cabeza the headless gringa legend says that an american serviceman and his cheating girlfriend lived at the base during world war ii the soldier pushed his girlfriend off a cliff when he found out that she was cheating on him and her head got caught on something and tore off. Uh, no. <laughs> we should have put a warning at the beginning of this episode.
0: Uh.
1: Her ghost is said to target solitary men late at night by either ambushing them or crushing them while they sleep. Okay. Venezuela. uh, El Cebon, which is the whistler, is said to be the ghost of a young man who roams rural Venezuela. The legend states that this young man murdered and gutted his father for abusing the boy's mother. The young man's grandfather responded to the murder by whipping the boy relentlessly and pouring flakes of red hot peppers on his open wounds. (sighs) The what a loving family. What a loving family. God. <laughs> the grandfather then ordered a vicious dog to hunt down his grandson. El Silbon now haunts cruel men who cheat on their wives or treat them poorly. So if you hear some eerie whistling while in Venezuela, you might be near this vengeful ghost. Why does he whistle? You know what? I'm good. I don't need to know. You're going to ask him? No. <laughs> no. So Mexico was, of course, La llorona So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into that again. We already did that.
2: I already talked about her. That bitch. No I'm kidding.
1: Peru. No. Peru she has. come over here and get me. <laughs> <laughs> Peru has La Casa uh, Matucita. Yeah, that's right, Matsusita. Located in downtown Lima stands La Casa uh, Matsusita, an ordinary looking yellow building. A local legend says that this building was the scene of a gruesome crime and two popular stories are told about the area. The first version says that a local Peruvian man slaughtered his entire family before committing suicide. While the second version says that hallucinogens were served at a dinner party leading to a horrendous bloodbath. Both stories have one thing in common. They state that the second floor is is believed to be haunted to the point where just entering would make someone turn insane. Oh. Great. Thanks, Peru. All right, Brazil. (laughs) Brazilian uh, Encantado. Deep within the Amazon waters lives a shape-shifting monster that may take the f- shape of dolphins or sea snakes. The Encantado, enchanted one, is said to morph into a seductive human-like figure whose superior musical talent and beauty becomes irresistible to their human prey. Once under the spell of the Encantado, the victim is kidnapped and never seen again. Legend says that this Amazon shapeshifter is sighted frequently, and residents at the jungle avoid walking near the riverbanks at night. Two more. Chile, living in a ghost town. The abandoned town of La La Noria was a mining town fueled by slave labor during the 19th century. Since then, the town is said to have been deserted, but witnesses claim to see ghosts of slaves wandering through the town's cemetery. According to the legend, the spirits are believed to be more to be from open graves and exposed skeletal remains of the slaves that died tragic deaths. They now haunt the area that is the graveyard of Lenoria. And last is Tanzania. Okay, random, but <laughs> is Tanzania by South America? Probably. I was about to say, I don't. No. I, I haven't, well, okay, so in the Tanzania oh. island of Pemba, in the Indian Ocean, okay, that answers our question, an, e- <laughs> an evil creature plagues the island. According to the stories, the creature can shapeshift and has been seen in bat and human-like form known as the Popobawa, batwing, batwing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh 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 my God! The spirit sexually assaults men. There have been oh. there have been many reports of being attacked by the Popawawa, which sometimes sends locals into a panic, forcing them to stay awake or sleep in groups outside their homes. Jesus. So that came from HallbrookTravel.com. There article spooky ghost stories from around the world by jessica samuelson
2: great
1: and we have one last one last article and that is from npr.org called the creepiest ghost and monster stories from around the world i'm not gonna well yeah no it's fine which is by cecily (laughs) meza martinez all right okay so you
2: didn't do europe you're right or
0: africa
1: you're right but it's already long so we're gonna oh this is gonna have to be saved i'll make it i'll make another episode <laughs> okay i mean to be fair you could just do a whole like two hour episode on just <laughs> europe alone yeah. To be completely fair. Yeah. They got all kinds of things. Specifically, things. all we have... All, like, we could fill a whole episode with just Finland and Belarus. Honestly. Like, fuck, just the Baltics. God. Okay. We'll get there. <laughs> oh, here's here's more about the Popopawa. I don't want to go back into it, but... Oh, uh, yeah, so this one's, well, Popabawa is batwing in Swahili, so it's off the coast of Africa. That's what I thought. I mean, the Indian Ocean, so it makes sense.
2: I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying nothing, I'm just, that's what I thought.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's one. It's another one from Japan, supposedly. Great. They always have, like, the worst ghosts, to be honest. Yeah. So this one's called The Girl in the Bathroom. In Japan... No! The schools contain an infernal secret. If you go into the girl's bathroom on the third floor of the building and walk to the third stall, you might find her. You have to knock three times and call her name. A code switch reader named Jessica tweeted at us. What does that mean? Okay. When you open the stall door, a little girl in a red dress will be there. So this is like Bloody Mary. Fucking Hanako. It's Hanako. It's Hanako. It's
2: fucking Hanako.
1: The little girl with the bob haircut is (laughs) Hanako-san.
2: Fucking Hanako-san.
1: She wants friends to play with maybe, or perhaps she wants to drag you to hell through the toilet.
2: I don't think she wants to be your friend. (laughs)
1: Depending on which part of Japan you live in, she may have a bloody hand and grab you, or be a lizard that devours you. What? No, Hanako-san. Although I am getting scared just thinking about her right now. Fair! No! Why is your name Jessica? I don't need to know this.
2: (laughs) No, Hanako-san.
1: Hanako-san has become a fixture of Japanese urban folklore over the last 70 years. The most popular origin story for the tale holds that during World War II, a schoolgirl was using the bathroom when a bomb fell on top of the building. The school collapsed on top of Hanako-san, who has been trapped there ever since. But Hanako isn't the only schoolgirl who haunts Japan's school bathrooms. Kashima Reiko, another young girl... Was said to have been cut in half by a train. Oh my god! Oh, I didn't talk.
2: I didn't talk about her either. I saw both of these when I was gonna do ghosts. I didn't talk about either of them.
1: <laughs> now her disfigured spirit inhabits bathrooms, asking children who enter the stalls where her legs are. The legend goes yeah. that if Kashima Reiko is not satisfied with their answer, she will rip off their legs. Mm. Mm. Uh, well one of these is also about La Llorona so I'm um, not going to talk about them so this is the last one this is okay. the woman of your worst dreams
2: okay Awesome. And all res- of these have been women of my worst dreams <laughs>
1: Hanako-san
2: <laughs> Hanako-san oh, <it's> my dreams <laughs>
1: In Brazil, a tall, skinny woman with long, yellow fingernails and red eyes creeps along the rooftops and watches families inside their homes. How about no, ma'am? Mm-mm. She watches them as they sit around the table for dinner. She watches them while they eat la pizza de uh, Sure. After the meal, when someone goes to sleep on a full stomach, la pizza dera. Sneaks into their bedroom. Then she sits on their chest so they cannot move. La Pisadera that has attacked them, watches them as they begin to panic. So she's she is a sleep paralysis demon, and she needs to fuck off. The victim's eyes. The victim's Mm. eyes part partly open, but they're neither fully asleep or fully awake, helpless and trapped in the body that won't move. Sleep paralysis is a well-studied disorder. The worst thing is when you try to fight or call for help. A Redditor said in a conversation about what the experiences with it were like, your voice doesn't work and your body will not respond. You just feel helpless. And among right. those who suffer from it across many cultures, there is one unsettling common experience. A sense that a malevolent force is hovering over them in their immobile state. <laughs> I was gonna be I was gonna be sitting here ready to dispute something, but I can't. <sighs> the earliest one I can remember is that my mother in the room and she's sitting on the bed her face morphs into a demon-like thing a redditor shared in a thread on sleep paralysis, or a large dark figure kind of a human silhouette emerging from the foot of my bed and staring down at me how about
2: no shadow people mm.
1: could her mom or the silhouette have been a piece of Daria? daria no uh, maybe
2: daria. like i don't know <laughs> I don't, ask
1: her no <laughs> i don't want to see her <laughs> I don't want to see your... They went on, uh, I need to stop trying to remember these things. I'm getting chills. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> so that was the last of it. Those are the scary stories I have for now because as you pointed out, I didn't do any for yeah. Europe or yep. Africa. Or and, Africa. And, and now I, fail, I, I feel like I failed somebody. <sighs>
2: There are your, there's European people going. Hey, what about us?
1: Do you think there's like horror stories from the Arctic? I feel like there would be. Probably. Probably.
2: You mean from the fucking scientists that are there?
1: Oh my god! I'm sure I, they. Should. I want to be. I want to go there and be a, a dirty tourist and just be there, like just chilling in the in, in the in the housing area and like looking out yeah. at me like this is creepy. <laughs> yeah. Imagine what's come out of the arctic circle though.
2: No. I don't want to imagine it.
1: Bigfoot. Probably. That's I where mean, Bigfoot that's probably lives. where his portals at, you know. Totally. <laughs> but that is I what I have. believe
2: That is where Bigfoot lives.
1: <laughs> I think so you know how there's like the Mount Everest Sasquatch and I can't remember. The Yeti. The Yeti. Yeah. I I fully believe the Yeti and Sasquatch are the same creature, like, type of creature. Like, they're the same species. Yeah. <laughs> and they're from the same planet. There's a portal at the top of Everest in the Arctic. And, like, I feel like there's a portal at the top of mountains. Ma- that makes sense to me. Like, very tall mountains. Yeah. That makes sense to me. <laughs> oh,
2: don't even... The only thing I'm—I feel like well, I don't want to say I'm not scared of Bigfoot. The only thing that doesn't terrify me is Bigfoot, I guess. I find Bigfoot interesting, not scary.
1: I found I find Bigfoot interesting, that, but there is one picture that I I saw like a long time ago, and I probably couldn't find it again. But it has terrified me and haunted me since I saw it. The point is, is that the. Uh, the picture was of a wooded area. I want to say it was jungle, but maybe not. It was definitely in the woods somewhere. And there was this this dark figure off on one of the other sides of the mountain. And there was a little zoomed in portion of it. And um, the reason they have this picture is because it got like the person taking it had a satellite phone and sent it, sent it, and then their phone died and then their body was found later so i was like great how about no (laughs) no man i wanna i honestly want to say it was from shasta
2: well don't say that
1: so i don't want to call it bigfoot
2: well how about you don't say that just how about you don't say it at all just how about
1: i already have though (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> going away from the creep um what is your media actually maybe and okay, maybe we're not including the, creep. the
2: <laughs> creep we're not going away from the creep at all <laughs> so my media is pet cemetery
1: oh i still haven't watched that yet
2: well i'm talking about the book but there are two movies An old one and a newer one.
1: (laughs) You sound so put upon (laughs) by that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The first movie came out in 89 and the newest one came out in 2019. So pick your poison. The book, however, came out in 1983. On record, Stephen King has said that of all the novels he's written, Pet Sematary is the one which genuinely scared him the most.
1: Great. So fucking great, dude.
2: (laughs) I don't know how much that matters, but that's what he said. So I don't want to sit here and read this whole thing. I will tell you what Pet Cemetery is about. (laughs) Pet Cemetery is about a family who move into a house with their two kids. And their daughter's cat. And when they get there, a whole bunch of shenanigans happen. It says right here. The daughter hurts her knee, and the son is stung by a bee. Like, shenanigans. And their neighbor is an old man with him and his wife living in the house. And he is the one who tells them that animals continue to die on the highway that run past their houses because... Speeding trucks just go vroom and then hit everybody's animals. Because of that, there is a pet cemetery in the town where all of the kids bury their dead animals. But beyond the pet cemetery, there is another cemetery. And if you bury something in that cemetery, it will reanimate. So, this isn't about, like, necromancy, like a necromancer. This is, like, an inanimate object that performs necromancy. Great. So, uh, the daughter's cat dies. Because you could have saw that out of the way. Pet cemetery and she has a cat. We know. So, the cat dies. Well, he, the dad is at home by himself and the family is away visiting the wife's family while the cat dies. So he goes, well, maybe if I bury the cat in this cemetery that he learned about through particular means, I'm not going to tell you, you have to read it. He learns about the extra, the second cemetery through, a, through dreams. I'll tell you that much. Somebody tells him in his dreams, <laughs> <laughs> and he buries the cat there, and uh, the cat comes back. Except, it doesn't come back because it's different. It's a uh, real surly and ornery, which honestly is a cat, but. That just wasn't how it was. That kid, This cat wasn't like that. Also, he tends to uh, hunt for mice and birds, ripping them apart without eating, eating them, which is also... That's just not what animals do. That's malicious intent, not survival. So... That's concerning. <laughs> and he also smells... So the little girl does not want the cat in her room at night anymore. So the old man confirms that the cat has been resurrected because he also buried his dog there when he was younger in this all tracks. Basically, he's saying, "Mm -hmm. I've seen this all before. Yeah, you you buried the cat there and the cat came back. And the dad, it it says, deeply disturbed, begins to wish that he hadn't buried the cat there.
1: As they always do. So, several months
2: later, the son is killed by a speeding truck. And dad gets real, real, real depressed and despair. And you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. <laughs> you know
1: what he does. Like an idiot. <laughs>
2: and... The sun comes back, and I'm not gonna ruin the ending for y'all. But the sun reanimates, just as the dad probably hoped and assumed that he would. So, it's not a happy ending, I'll tell you that. So we have some zombies
3: in the in the in the book.
2: Some some people who should not be alive. The old man describes the cemetery, or rather, he says, sometimes dead is better. He also says, the place has a power, its own evil purpose.
1: Great. Thanks, so, old man.
2: So, it's an, what it is, is an ancient burial ground, as they always are. Yeah, you know. But, you know, Stephen King always writes everything in Maine. And this is an actual tribe. I'm not going to try and pronounce it because I'm not going to do that to y'all. But it's an actual Indian tribe. He didn't make it up. I don't know if the burial ground exists. God, I hope not. Because, someone going to try this and we don't need that. I told y'all, don't make any zombies. We don't need it. We already have COVID. Please don't do this. No, we don't need a zombie apocalypse. Now is not the time. But it's a book about zombies. If you thought Stephen King had done it all, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) He's done some zombies. If you don't want to read, there's two movies, as I told you. Um, I'm going to assume the 89 one is not good. No offense to the old old days. I'm not going to say the new one is good, because I haven't seen it. So, no, I'm You know what? Stephen King's movies have a reputation for maybe being good, but also maybe not being good. (laughs) So do what you want. You know, watch it. Viewers discretion advised.
1: As always. But Pet Cemetery.
2: It's also spelled wrong because it is spelled wrong in the book. It is misspelled on the sign to the cemetery because it is because it probably because it was written by children. They say the kids go out there and bury their pets, so I assume they made the sign.
1: Right. Poor little babies.
2: Poor little babies, getting together, burying their pets. It's really sad. Then it gets real scary. (laughs) So, Pet Cemetery. I'm not going to ruin the endings. You have to read it yourself. But if you like reanimation zombies, pick it up.
1: What do you have? Okay, so I am going to be talking about the Haunting of Bly Manor, which has gained traction recently. Sort of recently. It has? I mean, I've heard like (laughs) I've heard it from the mouth of a couple people that I know. So it's it's a Netflix series. You know how that comes and goes. Ah. Okay, I understand. So the Haunting of Bly Manor is an American gothic romance drama st- streaming television miniseries. I hate the amount of adjectives that Wikipedia uses. Just know to you. <laughs> <laughs> Created by Mike Flanagan and released on October 9th, 2020 by Netflix. It most okay. <laughs> it mostly acts as an adaptation of the 1898 novella The Turn of the Screw by Henry James but also includes other elements either based on James's other works or created for the show. It is also the second entry of in Flanagan's The Haunting Anthology series acting as a follow-up to the 2018's The Haunting of Hill House, which I didn't know and it's interesting because I remember Thinking, this is very similar to The Haunting of Hill House, and I like The Haunting of Hill House a lot. Mm -hmm. It features much of Hill House's crew and some of the same cast, but the two series narratives are not connected.
2: Oh. So why would you do that?
1: Good question. Let me not. Let me not. (laughs) But wow, yeah. the, the synopsis is very short. The story tells of a young... Um, why is that like that? Uh, the story tells of a young au pair hired by a man to look after his niece and nephew. I think au pair is supposed to be like tutor or... Um, matron that's not the word i'm thinking basically a babysitter like a on on Uh, hand babysitter all the time okay uh of his nephew and niece at the family country house after they fall into his care arriving at the Bly estate she begins to see apparitions that proceed to haunt the premises they don't proceed to haunt the premises they have always haunted the premises They're just starting to haunt you. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So, um, the main character is Danielle Danny Clayton. She is a young American woman hired. Oh, there's it. Alper is a helper from a foreign country working for and living as part of a host family. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> she is hired as an
1: owl pair for the children of the wealthy Winegrave family in England. Danny moves to England to escape her traumatic past and quickly becomes subject to the paranormal happenings at Bly Manor. Great. Uh, Peter Quint. Good for her. Is Henry Winegrave? Or is an assistant executive to Harry Weingrave. So this is where the romance bit comes in, and then he kind of becomes a dickhead, and so on and so forth. (laughs) Anyways, it's a good spook. Um, I haven't finished it, because I'll, like, put it on and start doing something, and then get spooked, and then then get completely sidetracked from what I'm doing, so I haven't finished it yet. But it's well, definitely a good spook. Like it has some jump scares. Okay. Yeah. Basically, I love like, a good haunted house. <laughs> right. Uh, I will say this: the haunt, uh, the haunting of Hill House, was better. Okay. But Bly Manor is not bad. <laughs> but I did prefer the haunting of Hill House. And that's what I have. I'm not going to go too far because I haven't finished it yet. So I don't want to spoil anything for myself either. There's lots of ghosts. Lots, lots and lots of ghosts. And both of the children, I I will say this. The son gets possessed by Peter Quint, the creepy dude. The dude who has a fucking issue. Um, Okay. Or maybe not Peter Quint, but one of one of the ghosts reminds me of Peter Quint. Okay. And then so the siblings are Miles and Flora, and then Flora sees the ghosts and interacts with them. So Miles gets possessed and Flora interacts. And Danny's stuck in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Danny. But well, that, that, yep, that's what I have. Sucks to be her. It really does.
2: Well, if you would like to hear more from us about Spooks, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, searching at Mixwitches Podcast. We're really easy to find. It's the same at both places. You can also shoot us an email, mixedwitchespodcast at gmail
1: dot com. Oh shit! <laughs> you can also find us on Society Six, which is also at Mixed Witches Podcast, and you can have head over to our website, which is mixedwitchespodcast.squarespace.com. dot squarespace dot com. We have some posts up there, and we have all of our episodes. So go check it out. It's a fun time sometimes. <laughs> i hope you had fun with us getting spooked i did no. i did have fun reading through all of those urban legends and scary stories and bigfoot and bigfoot <laughs> bigfoot so much about bigfoot <laughs> maybe one of these days i'll just do a bigfoot episode
2: i was about to say he deserves his own episode he really does or she they No, we don't know.
1: It. We don't know their gender preference. The entity. Maybe they don't even have one. (laughs) They may be genderless. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Anyways, we'll we'll see you guys next week for more October fun times. And, uh, yeah. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)
3: young, our minds were getting faded, did not appreciate all that they created, we're chasing after that witch's brew, damn, 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 thinking more, but doing less, keeping score, but failing at the test, y'all, chasing after that witch's brew, damn, 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 chasing after that witch's brew, Got nothing better to do, cause you're sailing down the easiest street again. Damn! X marks the spot, or is it Oh, Getting hiding, feeling so low, chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. Dice, y'all. Chasing, Chasing after that, that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. It's going we well, and then it's not. You start to go, and then you stop, cause you're Sailing down easy street again. Damn. Almost within reach, but out of your grasp. The last drop at the bottom of your glass, y'all. Chasing, Chasing after that, that witch's brew. brew.